the God Adventure Podcast, where we talk about all things God and nature. I'm one of your hosts, Robert Rodasta, here today with Matt Enzer and Nathan McKinney, my two other hosts. And today we are going to be talking about all the types of gear that you're going to need for getting outdoors. So like Robert shared, we're going to talk about gear today, different types of gear for different things like hiking or camping or going fishing or rock climbing, different types of gear like that. But before we get into that, Robert's going to share the verse for this podcast, which is Matthew 2.2. All right, so our verse for this podcast is, like Matt said, Matthew 2.2, and it, it goes, it's when the Magi come to Jerusalem seeking to find Jesus after falling the star, and they say, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? But we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And we're sharing this verse because we are in the midst of this Christmas season and we have a really cool God and nature moment that we're going to share at the end of this podcast. So like Robert shared, this is awesome that we're in the Christmas season and the stars are always a big thing for all of us to see. And this is how God shows off his glory through stars. And we're, I'm excited to hear a little bit about Robert's story that he's going to share at the end of this podcast. But like today, we said we're going to talk about different types of gear, starting out with kind of the most basic, which is hiking. Hiking, you really don't need a whole lot. Basically, the minimum you would need is some hiking shoes or really all that could be is tennis shoes, maybe a backpack or something like that. We're going to have a couple different things that as you get more advanced in the hiking as well, we'll talk about. So Nathan, tell me a little bit about what gear you have for hiking. Yeah, no, it takes a lot of different stuff to get into hiking, but... It's pretty simple when you have, mainly when you're going hiking, the the thing that you really need to have everything with you is your backpack, and there's tons of different kinds. Like, you can have a 50 liter, which is like a really small backpack, to like 70 liter, which can carry like literally 40 pounds of stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of weird that they use liters to to tell you how big it is, but it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. But I know when I first started looking, I was like, yeah. what's well, a liter? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to put a bunch of two liters in here until it fills up. And then that's how yeah. I'm going to know how big it is. They have bags full of only just water. Yeah. yeah. At least you know. Yeah. And like your basic like school backpack, it's more like 28 liters, I think. Uh, just to kind of give you some reference on, I think my specific backpack is 28 liters that I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, and and the reason why they have them like so like huge is just because you need to be able to carry like stuff that you can live off of because essentially when you're backpacking or hiking, you have like all your camping gear and all your food and all like the water that you're taking with you. It's on your backpack, which is why like I love it so much because it's kind of like, I can live anywhere I want <laughs> with yeah. it, you know? Yeah. It's always impressive to me how much you can store. Like, when you look at the backpack, it doesn't look that big. And there's there's pockets and there's uh, places outside where you can hook carabiners on and hook things on your backpack. But just the inside of the backpack itself is so impressive how much stuff you can store in there. Yeah, no, it's insane. And the way that they make these packs, too, is that they have, like, like metal support systems that go... F- like down from your hips to your shoulders. So like you're going to be carrying maybe like 25 to 30 pounds, but it's not going to feel like it. Yeah. They're so like well designed just the way they make mm -hmm. them. Yeah. They've got the hip straps to take a lot of the weight off your back and rest it, rest it on your hips. Yeah. And what's cool is that the one that I have, you can get a backpack for pretty cheap. Well, well I got mine for around maybe like $80 when you go to like certain sales at certain stores. Like I know REI, they have like a garage sale where they can like take stuff that people had before 
bring it in and then resell it for cheaper prices. So I could get like a $250 backpack for 80 bucks. But I really enjoy mine. It even has like features where you can have like a smaller personal bag that is extended from the bigger backpack. So if you like want to take all your stuff, set up camp somewhere and then go on a different hike and then take mm-hmm. more stuff with you, you can do that. Yeah. And there's this one little backpack I bought. I, be, I think that's the greatest, in my opinion, personal opinion, I think the greatest investment you can make when you're getting into outdoor activities is a good backpack. Maybe not so much for like rock climbing and fishing, but like when you're hiking and camping, like, yeah, you want a good, like, like you said, 50 to 70 liter backpack, but even like a, a tiny little like massive, like a 20 liter easy like grab and go bag that you can just put in like a jacket and some water bottles and a granola bar and maybe a headlamp or like a hat and gloves like all that stuff like so if you're out camping and all of a sudden bad weather comes upon you what do you know you got you got a backpack on and you can pull out a little uh, rain gear so i love my backpack i got it at rei and it is so convenient that i literally wear it everywhere i go and my friend jack Wynn always makes fun of me for wearing it all the time but it is it's that good like yeah, it, it's stylish yeah looks yeah good. yeah and they're they're actually like honestly if i were to get like any kind of gear that were uh, just for like a general use like the backpacks that you can get like i've been able to use mine for like traveling on airplanes going to like any kind of place i want to go because they can store literally so much mm-hmm. i know like, you can use them for rock climbing too because i mean you have to carry your gear with you so it's a good storage area for that yeah, and that we just kind of got into a little bit of stuff for backpacking specifically. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But for hiking specifically, really all you need is some tennis shoes, ideally hiking boots, but tennis shoes are fine. A pack of some sort would be really helpful to help carry your stuff like Robert was talking about. And if you want to get more into it, maybe some hiking poles could be helpful mm-hmm. as well, especially for long hikes. And especially the older you get, the more it's it's needed as well. Yeah. And in some form, navigation can be helpful on top of that. So when you're hiking, navigation of some sort is, is helpful. That can be something as basic as a paper map that you have printed out or that you got at the front of the trail. Or it can be something a little bit more advanced where you have like a GPS unit that you can use for hiking and stuff. What most people use nowadays is an app of some sort. All trails is what I usually use so that I can kind of see the map and it shows you where you are as long as you have service. If you don't have service, you can also download it, but that means you have to have the premium account. So just kind of depending on how much you go hiking, how much you can justify the premium account. But that can be really helpful for getting around, making sure that you're staying on the trail. And sometimes trails are not as obvious as you would think. And sometimes you're like, I don't know, do I go... Do I go right here? Do I go left here? Is this a trail at all? Especially when you have the water kind of washing down sometimes through the switchbacks. Sometimes it looks like a trail even though it's not. Mm. Uh, so just having some sort form of navigation can be really helpful. Yeah. I definitely have a story about that. Yeah, navigation is definitely helpful. I know that with all trails, when I used to like work at Wyoming, we would always have different backpacking excursions for the campers. And all trails was literally like a way where you can have every trail just lined out even in like the back country where it was way like out there and you can have your routes highlighted so there's different ways you could get lost but it definitely is a helpful tool so nathan let's go ahead and talk about camping yeah so one thing that you can actually need for camping is just like a simple tent i know i have one it's just a small two-person tent that i got from rei but it has like a really nice like rain covering system so that way even if it's like in a strong storm, I know that like I've camped in really like 
harsh weather with it and it's held out really well. Tents are obviously super important for not sleeping on the ground and being exposed. So yeah. Yeah, I would most certainly invest in a high quality tent because even though they might be more expensive, if you if you don't have a good tent, like good gear, then you're gonna have a miserable time. Yeah. You can still have a good time without a tent. You know, like I, I like to use uh hammocks and things like that sometimes. Like Enos are great over the summer. Our friend Holly has like this bug net you can pull up over it and that's super awesome for keeping mosquitoes out and then you can also put a type of tarp tarp overhead so that, you know, rain doesn't come on you. Uh but in the winter, like it gets so so cold in the hammock. But you just you just want some good quality gear. Yeah. And that's another reason why I like using a tent just because when you're closer to the ground and winter times, if you want to go camping, you'll stay warmer and just having like a little space to lay out like all your stuff and know that it will be dry and like enclosed is always a good feeling. Yeah. And one of the big differences about hammocks versus tents is when you're in a tent, all the air that you have is kind of trapped in there and it's going to continue as you're breathing and heat up and everything. When you're in a hammock, then that's not happening because it's just escaping. And then also with a hammock, you're going to get hit from below with cold air and you're not protected from that. So mm-hmm. when you're in a tent, the air just kind of goes up and over you basically. And when you're in a hammock, it's just going to hit you constantly and you're going to be blown all around and it's not going to be a good time. <laughs> <if it's windy. laughs> you flung around like a kite. Yeah. yeah. And then you can get high in, te- like high in hammocks actually with like that protection from the wind but it's just as expensive as a tent yeah and unlike a like a tent you can pitch anywhere a hammock you need you know actually trees trees. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so if you wanted to go like somewhere like max patch where it was just like a a green field on top of a mountain you probably couldn't hammock there yeah yeah (laughs) you have two friends that are really committed and they just stand there the whole time And are constantly, like, fighting your 150 pounds to 200 pounds and trying to hold you up. They go in shifts. Yeah, yeah. Tents are definitely much more versatile. I, I would invest in a tent long before I invest in the hammock. Um, even though, you know, hammocks are great for recreational use, but if you're looking to camp a lot, a tent is the way to go. And you can get all kinds of different tents. You can get a cheap one from Walmart, or you yeah. can get something that's a little bit more expensive. I definitely recommend, if you're going to be camping, spend Pretty the extra thing. money. Uh, on a nicer tent because really waterproofing is the big difference and also speed of setting it up yeah because when we were on the road trip we had three different tents and we had nicknames for all of them one of them was nathan's tent we called it the mckinney Uh, and that one was great that one really set up sets up pretty easily uh we had my tent which is it's a kelty tent and we called it the kelty and then the other tent was a Coleman tent from Walmart, and we called that one the Cletus. And that one, that one really let us down a uh-huh. bunch of times. It was really hard to set up. Like every other tent, you could do by yourself. The Cletus yeah. was a lot harder. You really needed like two or three people to set that up, and it mm-hmm. just took a lot of time. And also, the rain fly just didn't work very well. No. It blew off all the time. Yeah. So not a good time, but it was it did its job, but it just wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool, it had a little doggy door, even though that's probably not what it's for. My, yeah. None of the other tents had that feature, but uh, it still didn't really hold up for what it was really used for. Yeah, yeah. The only good thing about it was that we could fit like 
a lot of people in there. Other than that, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Don't buy a Cletus. <laughs> Don't buy a Cletus. Yeah. Uh, I would re- definitely recommend an REI tent or, or a Kelty There's all, or maybe a North Face. There's all types of good mm-hmm. tents. Where I definitely recommend is looking at REI garage sales because they always have like a tent that's like nothing's wrong with it other than somebody returned it and it's like 50% off. And it's like, yeah, yeah I'll go spend something there. Like there was one I saw that the reason it was returned was written on the tag that it said customer got wet when they re- when they went camping decided they didn't like going camping anymore because they got wet and they <laughs> they turned it back in <laughs> and funny. i was like what what do you think you were going to get yourself yeah, into that's hilarious <laughs> you're not going to melt i promise yeah. yeah but so i mean like stuff like that you can buy a tent like that that has no problem with it that's like half off because someone returned it like that yeah so definitely invest in a nicer tent. Don't go to, don't go to Walmart. I mean, you can get a decent tent with the Orzark Trail, but it's yeah. just not as good. Yeah, yeah, good principle for pretty much all um, gear that you're getting, except for maybe like rock climbers or other kinds. You know, go for like maybe a higher price. Like, don't try to cut up on prices. Yeah, pay the extra buck if you have to for the quality. Especially if you're planning on taking it seriously, and this is a hobby you're gonna want to look forward to for years to come. Because good gear can last you for decades. So it's, it's definitely worth the extra $100, $200 sometimes. Yeah. And some other gear that's definitely needed for camping. Tent's probably the most important thing. But for comfort, you want a sleeping bag. You don't want to freeze to death. Uh, some sort <laughs> yeah. of pad. It can be something as simple as an air mattress. It could be something a little bit like better, maybe something smaller where it's going to be like exactly the shape of you. It's like a camping pad. It's nice if you're having a bunch of different people in the in the tent. That works a lot better. Some form of pillow would be something really cool mm-hmm. as well. And then you obviously got to cook your food, so that's going to be something that you need. So anyone have any thoughts on any of those things you want to share? No, I just think with just price-wise, I'd say, you know, sleeping bags are good. You just uh, If you're really going to go into like a colder situation, get like a, a more expensive sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. There's different kinds, and the one I have is called a mummy, where like it wraps you completely. But there's been times where like I've gone camping with like a hand-me-down sleeping bag that my grandparents gave me. That's super cheap, but it's comfortable and it works fine. It's mm-hmm. in the middle of summer; you really don't like have to go crazy with it. Yeah, for most of our listeners, I'm assuming you guys are probably in the North Georgia, so like Southeast area. I mean, you the only time you're gonna want a really warm sleeping bag is in the winter, or if you happen to be going to like you know north or out west where it gets a lot colder with the elevation changes but yeah sleeping bag mummy that i've got that too those rock marmo is a great great brand that's the one that i have and but yeah that's probably the other thing i would i would invest a lot of money in is a sleeping bag and then for the sleeping pad and for the pillow itself that's something you could probably you know get pretty cheap you don't have to worry about quality too much for that because they come like 20 15 to 20 bucks Something for cooking, because I end up being the chef most of the time, which I, I don't mind. I definitely enjoy it cooking. Chef Enzer, baby. <laughs> they called me Gordon Ramsay on the on the road trip. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Because you're angry? <laughs> I No, I don't think so. I just think <laughs> that's what they call me. I don't, I don't know. I didn't ask too many questions. Because he's chef. Because <laughs> he's chef. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, it can be something simple, like a two-burner stove that you get. And that that's where you can kind of – I have mine's a Coleman. Coleman. I <laughs> I don't call my grill the Cletus, but uh, <laughs> my my grill is a Coleman, and that that does fine for me. That's completely fine to spend a little bit less money on. 
you can spend more and get some nicer ones. Camp Chef is a really good brand. I've definitely looked at some of their stuff. But cooking, it can be something easy like a two-burner stove, and you just get some pots and pans and use that like you would normally cook in your kitchen. And then you can get other stuff where it's like, and then you don't need utensils and stuff like that. You can get stuff like a spork. It's just a, you got a spoon and a fork and a knife all in the same little utensil, which is cool. But uh, cooking can definitely be a little bit tricky when you're out camping, but it is a lot of fun mm-hmm. regardless. So the next thing we're going to talk about is backpacking gear. And that's going to basically be everything we just talked about, just smaller and lighter. And we're not going to go super in-depth because we already talked about backpacks earlier. But for backpacking gear, stuff like you need is a a big backpack like we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. And so we won't go any more into that. But just a big backpack that can be able to hold a lot of weight, but also has the stuff and straps and all the technology so that it doesn't, like, make you want to fall down. Yeah. Break Um, your back. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, I decided about cooking. You're not going to carry a full two-burner stove in your backpack probably. So something like a jet boil is going to be something that you're going to need. For that and there's different types of of those little camping stove things jet boy is kind of the most recognized brand mm-hmm. that i know that's what robert has i'm not sure what brand nathan has that's definitely mine too okay. yeah yeah and so there and there's also other types as well that you can get but some sort of little burner stove that you can use to to warm up water so that you can pour it into freeze-dried foods uh-huh. and that's going to be kind of how you cook that and that's going to be a just lightweight and easy to do yeah and it really does boil in a jet like I think if you get like some of the the, the most high quality ones, they can they can boil water in like a hundred seconds, it's which insane. is ridiculous. Yeah, and those like little freeze dried food packets, like that sounds kind of gross, but they're actually insanely good. Oh yeah, <laughs> like amazing, dude. They're kind of expensive, or I would just eat them for every meal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, they they definitely are. Awesome. They're like seven bucks at Walmart. You can literally find them anywhere: Dick's, Walmart, REI. Yeah, and there's all kinds of different ones. Like you can get like a pizza one and i'm like how is this one i've never had the pizza one yet but that would be my next purchase on a freezer <laughs> i have seen the pizza one. my personal know. favorite is the chili cheese one is that what it is that's pretty good yeah, yeah. i usually like the lasagna one the best i like the breakfast the little breakfast one they have i don't know you can't eat it yeah got eggs, but <laughs> yeah i'm allergic to eggs so i can't eat the egg ones <laughs> so that's backpacking gear that's going to be kind of the light stuff that we use to go camping so you just you always kind of think about the different weights of all the stuff now, when you go what we call overlanding, which is camping more out of a car that's off-road capable, that's going to be a little bit, you can, you don't, weight's not really an issue. I mean, you want to try to stay on the lower end on weight, but if a tent weighs 100 pounds, like, that's, that's fine. Like, it doesn't really matter. That's going to be things like a shower. Something that I bought recently is called a water port, which is really sweet, and it actually is a pressurized system that you can use to use as a hose like you would normally think a garden hose but you can also use it to shower off uh, if you want to heat it up uh, with the sun the sun will heat it up but also if you put any kind of hot water in there as well that's going to keep it warm Uh, and that's going to be something that would be really helpful for overlanding fridges is something else you can get where you have it directly powered into the battery and then so you have a fridge in your car that's going to have low wattage so you it doesn't drain your battery and then rooftop tents is like super sweet. I would love to have a rooftop tent. That would probably be 
a purchase down the line when I'm an adult and I have more money. Yeah, that's a big. <laughs> it's a big boy purchase. Yeah, like yeah. a the tent I would look at getting would be a thousand dollars, which is not like outrageous, but it's definitely more expensive than my two hundred dollar Kelty tent. Mm-hmm. But I could see myself making that purchase later on. But you have to have a roof rack, which I don't currently have, which would be is probably the main reason I haven't bought one yet. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I've seen some that are used that are like. 600 bucks i'm like yeah i can justify 600 bucks <laughs> and then other stuff just i mean thinking about everything you would like basically everything you would need to live inside your car and you have to get certain storage units and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. we kind of sort of did that on the road trip but yeah. on the budget version oh yeah, yeah definitely budget version and got very chaotic a few times we had to reorganize a lot <laughs> yeah like basically every time we got to camp we had to take everything out put it on the ground and then put it back in yeah and i was telling people it's like once we put it away you cannot open the back of the vehicle and then someone would open the back of the vehicle and everything would come out and <laughs> that's how stuffed process. it was like yeah oh yeah i mean it wasn't too bad it just wasn't like it wasn't when you go overlanding and stuff like that when you have like full like a full unit you usually have like drawers and stuff like that yeah They're like wow well you have like you can just pull out a drawer and grab what you need and put it back when you're in when you have cardboard boxes you use for your overlanding i just put air quotes but you can't see that but i'm just sure <laughs> when you're overlanding with air quotes you and you have the cardboard boxes and stuff like that and then you take the cardboard box out and then you have to put it back and it's just it it worked but it definitely was not like super convenient mm-hmm. but it was all part of the experience so nathan kick off fishing for us we're going to talk a little bit about fishing and the general gear you need yeah for fishing there's definitely a lot of different kinds of things that you can have and different variables essentially the main factors that go into fishing are the kind of poles that you have the kind of bait that you use and the type of reel that you use and the type of line that you use. And there's all different kinds and we'll get more into that on like maybe a different podcast about fishing. Essentially fishing is a cheaper outdoor activity that anybody can really get into. And if you live in Georgia, there's a lot of different locations you can actually go to go fishing and, you know, low maintenance, low, low prices and all the good stuff that yeah, and uh, fishing is something that, like, you can get on. I mean, mo- a lot of activities that you do outdoors, you can kind of come in on different, like, parts of the spectrum. You can come in just buy a fishing pole and maybe a lure or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you can go and spend more money on maybe buying something like a kayak or something so you can get off the water or get into the water uh, or something like that. There's different different spectrums that you can spend money on. You can spend lots and lots of money on it or you can spend little, mm. yeah. little just to get you started. That's a great point. Yeah, with with all with all outdoor activities, I think the more in depth and the more serious you're going to take the hobby, the more you're going to end up spending. But you don't need if you just want to go out and do a hike, you don't need all this fancy gear and thing like that. Like Matt said earlier, you know, in the North Georgia mountains, at least if you got a pair of tennis shoes and a school backpack from like high school or elementary school or anything like that, you can literally go up to any mountain and have a great time. Yeah, yeah. you don't even like. Honestly, yeah. you don't even need a backpack. As long as you're willing yeah. to hold a water bottle, you're fine. Yeah. 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 That's literally true with, like, every outdoorsy thing. Like, And even with, like, fishing, you can still catch fish without, you know, you can buy, like, a $20 bait or you can just use, like, a plastic worm that you got for, like, a literally, dollar. Literally, on, like, the cheapest end, there's these people that I used to see on the Chattahoochee when I used to go with my dad a lot where they had a plastic water bottle a fi- and fishing line 
and a hook and some bait at the end of it. And they would sit there and cast out their line and then reel it around the plastic water bottle. Wow. That's funny. like That's like the wow. lowest end version of fishing. And they were catching fish. Like, they knew exactly where they were. They just throw them in there and reel it up. And so, like, yeah. you can do stuff like that. The next thing I want to talk about is rock climbing. So, there's really four different types of rock climbing. And there's some more stuff in this, but... The main two differences, I would say, before I get into those four types, are going to be indoor or outdoor. Now, you can do these four types indoor and outdoor for the most part, but this is going to be a little bit different. So, the main thing that people think about is rope versus bouldering, and that's going to be two main categories as well. Bouldering is going to be kind of the most simple thing you don't really need much gear for. Ideally, you have some rock climbing shoes, you have a friend that's going to spot you, and a crash pad which is a little pad that you can kind of fold up and put on your back and that's not you won't need that when you go indoor usually because indoor they're going to have mats on the floor and so just rock climbing shoes is just fine for that and then when you do sport climbing trad climbing and top rope that's going to be the other kind of types of climbing as well like more specifically into rope climbing now for top rope that's when you have the rope up at the top and that's what most people think about when they go rock climbing but then when you do sport, that's going to be more, it's called lead climbing as well, where you you have the rope tied into your harness, and then you're just going to kind of clip it in as you go. And then trad climbing is a lot more advanced, where you're going to have gear that you actually have to put into the wall, and that's stuff like a cam system where you put it into a crack and it expands and holds your weight like that. And so that's going to be something that's a little bit more advanced. I've never done trad climbing. Well, I, I've done trad climbing, but I wasn't the one that set it up. I went with, some, with a guide and they set it up. And then, but top rope's kind of the most basic and you can do that in most, most areas around here. But really all you need to get into rock climbing, I mean, if you don't, you can just rent your gear every time you go, but really what would be helpful to have is a harness and some rock climbing shoes. And I know me and Nathan both have that. And then I don't think Robert has any gear for rock climbing. No, I want to get into rock climbing more, so it's a good thing that I'm friends with these two guys. But I haven't really haven't been that often. I don't even know how to belay, to be honest. Yeah, and like Robert just said, like how he said it's good that he's friends with us. Like really, all you need is some friends that have two harnesses, a rope, some quick draws, and a belay system of some sort. And that they like you enough to not drop you. <laughs> that is that is also yeah. key. Uh, because like if you have two harnesses, even if you have 10 people, it's going to be inconvenient to switch harnesses every time. But you can just, I'll give Robert mine and Nathan mm-hmm. Blaze. Like stuff like that every time. You can do that. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the only thing that could maybe just be a barrier when you want like to include your friends in climbing is just the rock climbing shoes. Because they're very essential to climbing but obviously we don't all have the same shoe size oh yeah i didn't think about that yeah yeah so definitely rock climbing shoes are helpful what they do basically is they kind of have stiffness so when you put your toe onto a rock your heel doesn't like easily fall back down and i'm explaining with my hands right now but you can't see (laughs) and so that's the main thing what rock climbing shoes do and increase traction of course but that's going to be the two kind of things that you're thinking about with rock climbing shoes compared to normal shoes like Probably the worst tennis shoe that you could get for rock climbing would be free runs. Just absolutely the worst because of how much flexibility they have. You don't want to have flexibility when you have rock climbing shoes. And so when people go, they're like, oh, I'll just bring my tennis shoes. But that doesn't really do it for you. you got to have some sort of stiffness in your shoe. 
and some and they have rub, fully rubber soles so that you get more traction that way. Yeah, Matt one time had his girlfriend like come with with like like restaurant clogs or something. <laughs> <laughs> they were like full on military boots that were like those rubber like the you think about the restaurant shoes where they're all black. And yeah, rubber. they were stiff, but they didn't have like a little point at the end, so you can't like put your foot anywhere. So we just talked about a bunch of different types of gear today. We're going to talk more about this stuff in the future. And something I'm just going to talk about right now is our Instagram account. We post pictures the day that we publish this podcast so that you can kind of see things that we're talking about. So like when I'm talking about specific things that doesn't really make sense or a location that we're talking about, just to kind of give you the visual perspective, you can go to our Instagram account and follow that, but then check out the different things. So that can be helpful uh, to help help you see what I'm actually talking about as well. But Robert's going to share a story about how he's connected with God through nature recently. So earlier in the podcast, we talked about Matthew 2, 2. And I think we all know the story of the wise men who saw the star over Bethlehem and went to go see Jesus when he was born. And so the other day I was doing this, this Advent plan on the Version Bible app, which is a great Bible app, first of all, I recommend it for you know, if you aren't able to carry your hard copy of your Bible with you, it's a great way to just always have that around. And so I was doing this this, this Bible plan, and it's talking about a lot of the historical context for the, some of the traditions we have, and it talks about the star. And it, it said that astronomers believe that about 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, there was this, there's this thing called a, I think it's conjection of planets. And it's when, like, I think it was Venus and Jupiter and Saturn all aligned in the night sky to make, and it looks like an ultra bright giant star. And so they believe that that that's what the wise men saw over Bethlehem. And what's really cool is that this year on December 21st, they say this Christmas star is going to reappear because Saturn and Jupiter are going to have a conjection and they're going to align. And it's going to be the closest they've been from our perspective in the night sky in the past 800 years. So this is a super rare phenomena that only happens like once every 20 years, but to see it this bright, it's been centuries. It's almost been a millennia since since you've been able to see something like this. So I recommend going out and seeing the air quote Christmas star on December 21st, because it's going to be very unique sight to see, something that's something that's really rare. And it also, you know, take a moment to just reflect on what the wise men saw as they saw the star in the sky and, you know, reflect on Jesus' coming in the Christmas season and, and what his, his arrival on earth means for us as Christians. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, it blew my mind. That's definitely something that would be so cool to see. And that's crazy that it happens, like, so close to Christmas, too. Yeah. 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 I, I thought it was really cool that it's happening, that you're literally going to see, like, what the, what some astronomers believe like was the Christmas star on December twenty first, like four days before Christmas, and you can still see it on Christmas. It's not like you can only see it on December twenty first. You can actually see it in the night nice sky right now, and you can watch as the two planets get closer together. But it's going to be most visible and the brightest on December twenty first. So I recommend going out around sunset and you know finding a dark sky area, like you know just finding a mountain nearby. Or an area that, you know, just out in the woods and taking, just looking up in the night sky for a minute and just reflect on Jesus' coming. Yeah. There's definitely no way that, like, I could sit and watch that and not, like, think about God. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for it. 
thank you guys for listening to our podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you were able to learn some stuff about gear and learn about how to connect with God. I look forward to the 21st, so make sure you check that out and check out the planets like Robert shared. Please subscribe to the God Venture Podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. And if you could, write us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. We've had some awesome reviews that we've been able to to read, and we love getting that feedback. So if you could write us a five-star review, and just let us know what you learned about God through this podcast today. All right, guys, go give us a follow on Instagram. We'll, We'll be posting photos that are relevant to what we talked about on the podcast, and we'll be posting our latest adventures. Yeah, so if you want to catch up on stuff more frequently than every two weeks, that's a good way to do that. Also, make sure you check out the description for each podcast because we put a lot of work into specifically kind of talking a little bit more about the podcast and then also having some relevant links. Like last time we did this, we had a link to a test where you can learn about your spiritual pathway. So make sure you do check out that description below. Sometimes we have links to different hikes that we did and stuff like that. As always, see you on the trail. Hope you have a good Christmas season. Look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.